Personalized learning with Matt and Courtney. We talk to the do-do's and the don't-do's of personalized learning. I'm Matt. I'm Courtney. And uh, yeah, welcome. Okay, so Courtney, you have so or so whoever. <laughs> so you have something you want to talk about today. I do. So I've have been having some discussions lately, and I think it's something that's important to talk about because I think it's one of those crux moments or like leverage moments or aha moments or shakabuku moments, whatever you want to call it, when it comes to um, proficiency-based education and learner-centered practices. It's a mouthful. I know. I almost got tripped up saying it, but I made it through. Okay, good. Um, so here's here's what it is. I'm going to illustrate it through like the common what I hear. And then we'll could dissect like what's wrong with that and maybe okay. like, how, to, how to fix it. So here's what I hear. Um, it's... The kids aren't coming to me ready for fourth grade. Gotcha. Or the the students aren't coming to ninth grade prepared for what we need them to be doing. And then thusly blaming the teachers before them. So in essence, it goes right back to they didn't learn enough while they were in the womb when they came out. <laughs> if you keep pushing backwards. Yeah, right? if you keep following that logic. Yeah, you eventually get there. I think the logic falls apart then. Yep. Okay. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Um so one of the like underlying tenets of personalized learning is that learners learn at different rates and that's okay. Okay. So if you're Continuing to pile expected knowledge into a social grade level, you are no longer honoring that basic fundamental understanding or operating stance of personalized learning. Agreed. So how does that, how does that work when we're in a system that has third grade targets, for instance, and fourth grade targets and fifth grade targets, and we're expected to teach at grade level when we fundamentally know that kids are all kind of all over the place, right? That they have different knowledge coming in. I don't think any yeah. teacher in the world, no matter what system you're in, would deny that that's a fact. Right. But how does that bump up against our systems? And then I guess the next question would be, what do we do? Yeah. Well... No matter who we are, what no what type what, of system what, we're in, yeah, so can we how do? can we how can we break that? Right. Well, so if you're in that traditional system where you're like, let's go with you know, we're fourth grade teachers, right? And these mm -hmm. these are the sets of set of standards I've been given. Um, traditionally, I think people then even give like will give a partially meets or a does not meet. Mm -hmm. um, instead, what you need to do is be ready to teach and know what all the targets or standards are that came before your grade level and the ones that are going to come after your grade level. Okay. So you really can't um, be just a fourth grade teacher anymore. 
that's a mind blow for a lot of people. It is. It's, it is. It's hard for a lot of people. It is. Because it was, it was easier to just be able to say, you're not meeting the expectations. Where now what we're saying is that's not good enough. And it never was good enough. And I don't think any teachers out there ever really believed that that was good enough. Yeah, I don't think so either. You know? Um, but then once you actually, um, it, there's a big difference between, you know, having a belief and then acting on that belief. And mm -hmm. acting on belief is really hard sometimes um, because yeah. of all these other things. But if, that is a really difficult one for teachers to move on. And I really feel like once they do, um, something loosens up. And like I called it like a, it's, a, it's a critical moment or, you know, a leverage moment or whatever yeah. you want to call right. it. Um, but yeah, you really do have to be ready. We know that as teachers that some of the kids coming into us are not going to be at where you know, they, the curriculum, they, people, whoever right. they are, say should be in fourth grade, and some of them are going to be beyond that. Um, so one of the things as a teacher that I can do, if I'm doing this, uh, if I'm listening to this podcast, uh, first of all, thank you. And second <laughs> of all, if this is, if I'm in a school that doesn't really allow me to do something like that, yeah, uh, one step that I could do is figure out what those things that were taught the grade before me or the class before me yeah. and the one after me and try to at least broaden my set of targets right. so I can put kids into those, in, into that con continuum as it were, so I know where kids are and right. it, that way I can maybe uh, do some grouping where kids are. Yeah. And I can do that right in the classroom, You right? can. Even if not, even if my neighbor's not doing it. You can do it. I can still do this. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that's that's a great first step, right? That's so a fantastic first step. It doesn't matter where I am. I can do no. that no. tomorrow. Yeah, you don't need to be in a proficiency-based system to do that at all. That's, yeah, yeah. go ahead and do it. Um, if you are in a proficiency-based system, then um, I think you need to re-examine your values. <laughs> like, yep. that sounds rough to say, but if you're, yeah, true. If, you're if you are in a system that is a proficiency-based system, then there is no such thing as these are my grade level targets and there is no such thing as these kids aren't coming to me ready. The only thing that is, is you meeting the learners in your room where they are. So you need to be, you already have access to all of the targets in a continuum if you're working in a proficiency-based system. Or maybe not. I suppose some proficiency-based systems still kind of group things into like grade levels. But in sure. that case, just reach down. Just go, right. you know, either in your learning management system or go talk to the physical teacher, you know, what were the targets that you were doing and just do it. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No. I think so too. And I, I think you, you said it there, uh, uh, maybe not explicitly, but it's about, it's not really about students being assigned to us anymore because we right. are grade level teachers or course level teachers teachers yeah. it's about us meeting their needs and, and what right. that we say that all the time but sometimes we don't really explain what that means yeah so what that what that really means to me is that we find out where kids are uh, what their needs are whether it's on a continuum or you just identify the targets uh, in some manage on on for what they are but then we are assigned to the students because we're the experts in those particular targets. Those students could be from yeah. anywhere, 
and I'm going to teach them and they're going to gain proficiency and we're going to regroup after they meet the proficiency and move on to whatever group is next. And it may not be the same kids in the same group. Right. And it may not be all of the kids in the group right now. We, we may have to just, just keep teaching them again in, yeah. in a different and engaging way. But it's about us assigning to students rather than students being assigned to grade level teachers. Right. Yeah, that's and a, but that's a huge mind shift it for is, people. It is. It is. It really is. Because that's mean, not traditional teaching no, at all. No, and it's not. It's not. Um, you know, neat boxes and rows. It's a. Me- it's messy. It's messy. It's messy, and it's that's messy. all of personalized learning. It's it's messy. it's messy, but it's about the kids learning. Right. And if it's messy, I think they learn better. Oh, totally. Because it's not just you're not you're not just checking off boxes at that it's point, right? It's not smooth. Right? Yeah. It's not smooth. If it's smooth, nobody's learning anything. You don't learn. Yeah, that's right. So it's it better be messy. You better be like really confused sometimes and frustrated because uh, your kids are the same way. Right. But at the end of it, you come out with a lot more knowledge. That's as an adult. So just think of what your kids are learning at that point. Yeah. If they're confused and frustrated, and in the end they learn it, it's like, holy crap. Right. Look what I just did. Yeah. I can do this. And right. everybody's mind shift just shifts. Yeah. Or minds just shift. Or Bless you. shifting yeah, right. minds. <laughs> okay, let's yeah. move on. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. Well, so, like, there's another piece of it that I want to talk about. All right. Um, it's, like, it's the human relationship piece. Oh. Like. Now it's getting tricky. Yeah, but I mean, here's kind of like, I, I I guess maybe I'm going to be like, give some tough love on this or whatever, oh, nice. but you need to stop blaming the person before you. It's, it's BS. They worked their butts off. You know, they got what they got as far as where their learners were. They moved them forward and worked as hard as they could, as best as they could to do it. And now they're moving them on to you, and so you you pick it up. There's a, it's not their fault. It's no one's fault because, like as Matt said, if you keep following the blame backwards, then we're blaming, you know, in utero, and that's just ridiculous. So I think we need to do serious work around building empathy between people in schools, between teachers at different grade levels, even within a school, like third grade down to second grade or like middle school down to elementary school and high school down to middle school and elementary school. So I got two things there. First of all, you're saying it all comes back to culture? I am saying it all comes what? back to culture. That should have been the name of our podcast. Culture. I, I was totally thinking that this morning. <laughs> I was like, we need to change our podcast. The other, the other thing you just said, which I which I remember, because you know, we, we all played the blame game at one point. Yeah. But if you're blaming the one before you, Remember, there's a teacher after you that's Who's going to blame you? you. Right, and you don't like it. It makes you feel horrible. So you're doing the same thing to the person behind you. Right. And they're doing the same thing. And as Courtney just said, it goes back and forth. But there's somebody ahead of you blaming you. Yeah. And you know how hard you're working. You know what you're trying to do. So why can't we all just get along? Seriously, just stop and just be thankful for the person before you. And go to them and say, thank you for working so hard with these kids. And if you need to brainstorm with them around what to do because the needs of your learners are a little outside of your comfort zone, do it. Likewise, if you have to go to the person in the grade ahead of you, like, you know, ah, people. So Courtney is saying collaborate with each other and get over yourselves. And be nice. Oh, that too. Yeah, so here are some things that I think you could do, like some things that might help build that empathy. And um, I did a little bit of this last year. I want to do more of it next year. Maybe in the spring I have to kind of 
whatever. But sure. um, exchanges. So oh. I think it's a fantastic idea that high school teachers and middle school teachers, even fifth grade teachers, go down and spend a, spend a day in K-1-2. I agree. And see what it looks like when those kids, like, see what, in, do it in September. And I think you should do yeah. it several times a year. I think you go down and do it at the beginning of the year. Then you go again, you know, like now, and then go again at the end of the year. Same classes. Yep. And build a, you know, build a, the kids will love you, you know. But, mm -hmm. and just watch that and see what happens. Because it's, if you don't know, like, that's part of where this blame comes from, is, like, right. ignorance and, and not understanding. So get rid of, like, admit that you don't know and go find out and see what happens and then start thinking more and asking, you know, ask good questions and reflect on yourself. And no one has an easy job in this. No, and it's a, it's a, it's a good statement what you just said because it's in my position as a district administrator now. I used to be a teacher. Yeah. So now I'm responsible for all levels. So I've gone into classrooms and just watched some stuff. But I've 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 gone into classrooms last year actually and taught some stats for fifth graders. Yeah. And tried to do the tricks that I had being a high school teacher. And some of them were like they didn't work at all. Right. And they they came in with weird questions that I wouldn't have even thought of. Yeah. When they're six years older than that. But, so it really made me think of, of like, wow, how do I teach this a little bit better to the kids who are at this level mm -hmm. and have this type of question? And it was really eye-opening and taught me a lot. Yeah. And as a regular teacher, you, you don't really have the time for that sort of thing unless it's forced, which we're trying to do, we are trying to do with these exchanges, which is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So yes, do that too. Yeah, do that. And also like, I want to be clear that it's like, it isn't just about like the negative, you know, being like, you know, check your attitude. I mean, it's also like, see what they can do. Yeah, that's the thing, yeah. <laughs> like, because it's amazing. Well, like yeah. I said, those questions those kids were asking, yeah. I never even thought of. Right. And they were super questions. Yeah. Like, why is this, Mr. Shea? And oh, can we do this instead? Like, well, yeah, that made <laughs> sure we can. But it wasn't even within my radar, within my sphere of even thinking about that. Right. It was fabulous, yeah. and it taught me so much. Uh, just from a couple of periods for doing that. Yeah. Great ideas, awesome. Courtney. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. We'll be back next week. No, we won't, because we have what? a resource review corner. Holy crap, we do. <laughs> Courtney's singing again. <laughs> this, is, this is almost as good as when her dogs are on the podcast. I know. Yeah, that was great. Okay, what do you got, Courtney? <laughs> so in the latest educational leadership, um, which is uh, the title of this volume, is called uh, Getting Personalization Right. And there's a particular article in here that I think is really worth people checking out and reading because it's it actually speaks directly to something that I find myself um, talking through a lot. Okay. Um, and it is about uh, the, the false dichotomy of uh, personalization and standardization. The article is called, Is Standardization the Answer to Personalization? And it is by Paul Emmerich France. Um, and so there's a couple quotes I want to pull out of here that um, kind of get to what I'm what I believe, and I agree with this. Gotcha. Guy. So the opening quote: "Used in the right balance, standardization of learning processes supports student choice in learning, and vice versa." That's very true, mm -hmm. and like so, I think 
sometimes there's this perception that standardization means everything is lockstep the same. You know, everyone's wearing gray shirts and marching down the halls, like singing the same words. No, that's not what it is. And conversely, I think some people think personalization is just like, woo, free for all. Like, I, want, I don't want to do math today. And like, you know, and no, that's not personalization either. So here's another quote from later on in the article that helps explain. I hope it's clear by now that when I speak about standardization, I'm not referring to standardizing the experience as one might do with a one-size-fits-all curriculum. Instead, I'm referring to standardizing tools and processes such as giving and receiving feedback or using rubrics. What? Yeah. It's the things that get standardized in personalized learning are the things that make learning accessible and equitable to everybody. As you dropped the mic right there. That was a pretty good one, wasn't it? That was good. That was, I, I got nothing. <laughs> so yeah, so read this article. I think it'll help with that. Um, standard Standards and standardization is a scary word, but there's really legitimate reasons for having the right balance of standardization to support personalization. It's, uh, as a follow-up, it's the March 2017 issue of Educational Leadership that Courtney was talking about. We'll put a link in the show notes. Fantastic. If I figure out how to do that. Yes. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yep. And now, Matt. And now, we'll see you next week. Yeah. <laughs>